Hello and welcome to episode 241 of Three Beers and Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Colin, how are you today? I am okay, sir. I'm, I'm glad that... I was going to say I'm glad that it's the weekend, but I'm working at the weekend, so I'm not even glad it's no. the weekend. It is your Thursday. Um, um, it's, it's my Wednesday. Wednesday, or even worse. Yeah, even worse. Two, two more days to go. Um and then I've got a week off next week with the kids, so that that's um, I don't know if that's even more work than work sometimes. I've got to say, at least at work you've got a break from you. You can do some you can be an adult at work as opposed to have to be a dad. Um, which I know you, oh, I know you enjoy it a lot, but it's, uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be stressed. Oh yeah, it takes its toll because I'm, I'm not a young trendy dad. I'm, yeah. a, I'm an old tired dad. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm very well. Uh, much like the rest of Scotland, I'm surprised by this new cold snap after what was a lovely. 10 days, we're now freezing in sub-Arctic yeah, it feels like again. it's like a proper fucking backtrack, isn't it? Because yeah. last week it was like t-shirts and shorts and, yeah. and I wasn't even wearing a hat out last I bought, week. That, that's I was so warm, warm I bought lilt. That's how fucking warm I was. <laughs> I bought lilt feeling all tropical I was, sir. That's how you know it's summer when a Scotsman's drinking lilt. lilt. I um, bought a lilt to use up my fridge now. I don't want to drink it in the cold, but it feels just emotionally <laughs> wrong to do that. <laughs> but then, as you say, like today and yesterday, it's fucking cold. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. a lot that normally I sit on my kitchen table and I talk to you on the laptop. The, today I've, I've mm. relocated to in front of the fireplace so that I can get heat in my body. <laughs> so if I see so you cold. catching fire, I should yeah. alert you as quick as I can. Be like, yes, that smoke yes. Phone, phone help. Um, what, are you drinking? <laughs> what are you drinking to keep the, um, oh, the cold? Um, well, because I'm, I'm working and stuff, I'm on Bud Lights today. Okay. Um, so sensible, it's, it's alcohol, but it's like not, not, not much alcohol. No, it's it's barely alcohol, barely alcohol. Yeah, but it is. It I'll still maintain it is very, very, very drinkable. You can, it's very refreshing, especially like on a, on a warm summer's day. It would actually be all right. Not in a cold spring evening. No, you need some whiskey in it at this point in night. <laughs> some hot toddies. Yeah. Hot, hot toddy in it. Hot toddy. Hot no, what are you drinking? I've got much I'm, more interesting. I went things. local um, with a William oh. Brother one. Um, and it's called 12 Cents. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite nice. hangy. Is it a fruity beer? Yeah. No, I wouldn't say fruity, but it definitely feels like it's got like a kind of, it's got a kind of slightly odd aftertaste to it, where I'm very aware I'm drinking beer. Mm. You know what I mean? You know when you drink yeah, a beer, you go, that's yeah. I, can, I can tell I'm drinking a beer as opposed to drinking something that's sort of smooth and refreshing. It's definitely got like yeah. you're drinking it for a purpose. Um, yeah. You're, yeah. You're drinking alcohol. You're a grown-up. You're having yeah. alcohol. <laughs> yes. It's it's that. alcohol. Like it's what... But, <laughs> What twelve-year-old Richard would imagine alcohol might taste like? You know, <laughs> is it strong? Is it? It's is it five and a half? I think five point six. it's a wee bit stronger than than usual. Um, yeah. Is there any? Is there any breweries local to you, like in your area, like actual breweries? Don't think so. Aaron might be the nearest one to me. Mm. Mm. I, have, I, mean, I don't know. Aaron's close, but maybe well, I'm not that far from Dumfries and Galloway, so maybe Dumfries and Galloway might have stuff as well. Yeah, I think Aaron's probably the closest one for Aaron. Me. Might be the closest to me, yeah. But yeah. I have to really check actually. I never even thought to think of that actually. Yeah, to be honest. See if there's any wee kind of local ones or whatever. Yeah, no, I've never seen one. Never had it because, like, obviously, Ayrshire's it's got distilleries all over the place, so that's sort of more mm. of a, a thing like no place in Scotland and then, whiskey and stuff, rather yeah, beers, yeah. rather beers. But yeah. maybe kind of small yeah. batch places. But I know there's a couple on Aaron. I know there's at least yeah. one or two on Aaron. Aye, because you get the Aaron, 
they are in blonde and stuff like that for the yes. shops and whatnot. Yeah. I can't think of like a, like the biggest town nearest here is Kilmarnock. I can't ever think of seeing of hearing of like a brewery in Kilmarnock. Same same with air as well. That's not far from me. I've not really heard anything there. So I'd have to I'll have a wee Google and for next time you come back, I'll let you know if you there's can, any you local can, breweries. Inform me of it. Um, yeah. Wood. That's a nice can as well. I'm holding it up again. It's a nice purple purple colour. Can it, but it's a very rich purple. It's like it's very because purple is like kind of rich. Yeah, legal colour. Legal colour. Yes, very it's a very luscious purple. It's like I'm a man is, who demands such things, Colin. As you yeah, know, yeah. This is this is this is a, a regal beer. You're yes, <laughs> but it's nice. It's just it's, it's beer. It's fucking beer. yeah. yeah. It would be good. I think it's good for one. I can't imagine myself drinking more than one order. It's one of the ones that yeah. is. You know, it's not a bad wee drink, and it's nice for a podcast. But I can't imagine me going kind of heavy on it for a night. Yeah, it's not yeah. something you would go out to specifically. Yes, buy. and I think a can's the right amount of it. You know, something you drink a beer and you go, a can's enough. I don't want a pint of that. Mm. You know, that kind of feel, I got that kind of feeling about it. Three hundred and thirty mils is all I can I can demand. Um, but this week we'll move on to the movie chat. Now, I wasn't going to discuss um, Academy Awards and Oscars because I, um, we've always talked about it that we've done it before. We've done it for a full breakdown of the Oscars and stuff like that before. Mm-hmm. And I think the general the feeling of. The Oscars are fine. Well done to everyone who won stuff, but generally, yeah. a lot of times the stuff that we're into doesn't really get represented. Not just talking like the big films we like, you know, superhero films, yeah. but there's been some great films this year even that are completely unrecognised, and I don't yeah. think we find it's a very sort of fair representation of cinema. Like, you know, for example, yeah. was it Mass? Had nothing in it, and Mass deserves nothing but... Yeah, it deserves at least a mention. A mention, yeah. Stuff no, like Red yeah, Rocket. A nomination somewhere, yeah. Yeah, stuff like Red Rocket that I saw that didn't get a mention. What was the one we saw? Something else we mentioned this year. Old Henry never got a mention. Yeah, totally. And that was on yeah. that was on Barack Obama's top twenty of the year. Was it? Yeah, he put it in one of his top films of the year. Uh, I didn't know Barack Obama done a top twenty films of the year. Of everything of, of the year. Yeah, yeah. But Barack Obama oh. big into that. So I think we feel like sometimes like they don't really. It's not a fair representation of actual cinema in a, in a way. It's yeah, sort of, it's very that, specific. It, it's elitist. Let, let, let's see yes. what it is. It is elitist. I mean, yeah. there's no ifs and buts about it. It's the same with the kind of BAFTAs and all that as well. They are very, very elitist and they do yeah. cater to more mainstream stuff than should get recognition. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But we'll, we'll just get it a wee bit because we're going to talk about, one, we'll talk about the film that won the best film later on tonight, and that's Coda. So well done to Coda for winning I think it's a bit of a dark horse. It kind of came from nowhere and mm. sort of took the award. So we'll discuss that later at length. Um, mm-hmm. Director Jane Campion won um, for Power of the Dog. Like, Cannot stunning. argue with that. Though. That that was that was a great film, wasn't it? That was. See, I think it's a stunning looking film, and from a direction point of view and, and performance, you track you kind of mm. act and stuff like that. You can't you can't deny. It. I would personally pick Spielberg's West Side Story just because I think what he does in that film is so effortless that yeah. it's so brilliant, but it's so effortless you don't even notice how good it is which is sort of really impressive. Um, as a big fan of Jessica Chastain, very happy to see her win Best Actress. For the The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which oh, is a very good performance, Faye, yeah. but it's a very average film, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Best Supporting Actor went to a man called Troy Kotzer, who we'll talk about later on, because he was in Coda. Okay. Who, who, who won Best Supporting? Did you see? Oh, it's... Um, the girl from is it Aria, not Ari Darmus, it was um oh so no, I can't remember her name now. She's in West Side Story. Um she plays Oh yeah, I don't yeah. Was that not her debut as well? Maybe a debut film. She was in that she, she has yeah. been in a few things. Um like on TV. She's in that Smigadoon show that was on TV. Mm. Um and she was on Hamilton on Broadway. Ariana DeBoss. Hmm. 
was he? Um, I know. She was, in, she was in the prom, which I don't think anyone will admit to seeing. Um, nope. But yeah, that's pretty much. She's not really done. I, I think also I've noticed been looking a bit parts and kind of small roles. So it pretty this, much has a major is, debut. This is a big thing for her. Then, so this yeah. could potentially launch her career into the, the stratosphere. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. doesn't do yeah. what does to some women who win that award, which is sort of it sort of sidelines them a little bit. There's not yeah. somebody's going to get a lot of work. What from I was it. going to ask you because you've I've not seen West Side Story, but. Did she win it for the acting or the singing, or is it all a package? What, all, she is she is a phenomenal force of nature in that film, which is what yeah. I think a supporting actor should be. Someone who comes in for they're not the lead of the film, so they're not in it all the time, but the, the scenes are in it. It's just absolutely you cannot take your eyes off her, and you're just so mm. impressed and just so infatuated with she does. And she does absolutely infatuate the screen for the moment she's on camera. So. Yeah. No problems with her winning it. Um, I thought she, I thought she was wonderful in it. It's a bit like you know, like Heath Ledger winning it for the Joker. You look, you watch that film yeah. again. He's only got like maybe five scenes in that whole film, and they're quite shortish, you know. Yeah. But, but every day he, he owns every scene. Hannibal Lecter, you know, Anthony Hopkins playing Hannibal yeah. Lecter, like eleven minutes of screen time, but owns every single second yeah. of. No, I get you. Yeah, that point. She, this um, is what she does. Yeah. We also uh, had cool. um, winning best documentary, which was Summer of Soul, which I think you would really enjoy. It's on Disney+. Plus. You um, told me to watch us, didn't you? Phenomenal documentary. I'm very happy yeah. that that won it. Um, and also, a bit disappointed, Encanto won Best Animated. I know, because you're a big fan of the Robinsons, aren't you? Is Mitchell, that, is that no, Robinson? Mitchell's West Machines. Mitchell's West Machines, not Robinsons. Yeah. Um, oh, I've not seen Encanto yet, but I have heard that it is quite magical. It's fucking... It is, it is. But I think it's, it's, I think it's got the good luck of being seen by everyone and having a major hit that every kid is playing, so every parent is now seeing that film, so it's in the public zeitgeist, where mm. as brilliant as Mitchell's West Machines is, it didn't quite penetrate the public zeitgeist in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Fans and film lovers love it, but mm-hmm. it didn't really penetrate into the major mainstream. It's a real shame because it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie uh, and it really should be seen. It was, a, it was a, our film of the year this year, so yeah, um, I think I loved it. Probably, the, I know it's stupid, but I think the name is a wee bit off-putting, Mitchell's Wrestling Machines. Plus, Plus, it's not for, it wasn't from a big studio, was it? Sony? Was it Sony? Who yeah. aren't again when it comes to animation? No one, Jimmy Dirtley, think Sony. Do you know what I mean? So no, I know, I but they, get it. they did do you know the Spider Verse, you know. So it's the guys who done that essentially, you know. It's, yeah. so, you know, so no, no, no. I, good, no, I, I, I agree. It's, it's a great, great film. I but I just think it's been marketed all wrong and put in the wrong places and stuff like that. Do you know what I, mean? I think yeah. going straight to the streaming doesn't always help, um, and also no like signature song coming out of it that every kid's singing that's making it in the public zeitgeist, you know, that that kind of thing. So, but Encanto's a lovely film. Jill loves Encanto. It's, it's, it's a wonderful oh, family film. Talk, talking about just a wee quick sidetrack, talking about Encanto, which again, I haven't seen yet, but um, the other night, Lorraine had asked if I'd heard this song, we need to talk about Bruno or something. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she had to explain to me it was a song from Encanto, Encanto. and it, it's apparently everyone's going nuts about this song. It's the only so she, song from a Disney film to make number one in Britain, apparently. Is it, so she played it for me, and I've got to say, I was very underwhelmed. I don't see what the fuss is about. Well, that's my thing about it as well, is it's... The songs in, in, in Canto are, they're okay, mm. but it's that's to me, that's not the best song in the film. And even the best song in the film isn't as good as any song in Moana. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think Moana absolutely nails. So 
anyway, Encanto, well done to it for winning best um, best animated picture. Um, let's move on to the main event. I think we, we we want to discuss, which was the man Will Smith picked up um, the best acting Oscar. So well done to him yeah, for, a film that was, for King Richard. King Richard was a, a, a very yeah. okay film. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I think there was better options available for best actor, but that's my own opinion. Um, <sighs> This felt a little bit more of a like sort of you've been around a while kind of award. You've done some good stuff in the past, yeah. and here, here, here's this one for you to go for it. There's yours. Okay, yeah. you um, but preceding that event, Will Smith <sighs> lost his nut. Um, mm-hmm. I, like, I woke up on the, the Monday morning, I, didn't, I don't watch the Oscars. I woke up Monday morning, yeah. looked at my phone, and also was Will Smith punches Chris Rock at the Oscars. And I was yeah. thinking, red carpet, surely, maybe something's happened as I'm walking in. But no, it was like literally in the Oscars. In the Oscars, on stage, he walks up mm-hmm. and punches him, um, or slaps him. It wasn't like a punch. A slap, it was a proper open-handed bitch slap. It was, <laughs> it was um, which I think is worse. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like kind of. He's Ali. He trains Ali. He's really throw a punch, isn't he? You know. I know, but a slap's so much more insulting. It's more demeaning. Yeah. If you take, if you use a glove, it'd be even more demeaning. You know that's that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just like it's just like totally taking your dignity and just yeah. stripping it back when somebody slaps you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a fucking slap. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fucking nuts, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just bizarre. Um, I've been trying to. I've, I've watched the video once because I'm not. I'm not fucking. We're not a lot of time on it because it's not everyone's spent enough yeah. time on it anyway. But I think we should acknowledge but, um, it as film facts. Yeah, my first thing was, you know, is it staged? But you know, then I, I watched it and I was like, no, he's he's gave him a, a tap. <laughs> I, I think Chris Rock's shock sells it because I don't think Chris Rock yeah. is as good an actor as that. Because I think that he's generally pretty stunned. <laughs> not not passing judgment on Chris Rock, he's been done in some good films, but I don't think he's good enough to play that at a moment's notice. He looked genuinely yeah. absolutely shell-shocked. Aye, totally, totally. But um, I think Will Smith's a big boy, and obviously he's kind of done training for movies and stuff, so yeah. he's probably got, you know, fairly toned and stuff like that. So what, what impressed me was Chris Rock Took it standing up, took right. it. I didn't go down. I'd have been there like a fucking sack of oh, I've been, I've been dead. Yeah, yeah. I had to be, I'd to be, I'd to be down before he even fucking landed on my skin. Just, yeah. <laughs> just don't have yeah. Um, but I like he took it. Do you know what I mean? He stood up, he took it. And I was like, Imagine if, imagine if Chris Rock had ducked it and then jabbed him, that'd been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Rock's not a big fella either. So I, mean, I know, he's, like he's... proper David Goliath style, just ducked and then jabbed ah. him once. <laughs> took him out. But um, it, it the shame, it's a bit of a ship. Kind of moment for because it is like I get we're saying the Oscars are elite and all that, but it kind of fucking ruins it for everybody there. The people proceed after coming after. Do you know what I mean they're fucking? Well, no one cares about them. Do you know what I mean this is the, this is the very ironic thing is Chris Rock was up presenting the best documentary Oscar, right? Mm. So Questlove, director of Summer of Love or The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, won for mm. his film. His film is about a, a moment in history that was completely forgotten by the world because it kind of essentially wanted to, and there were other things going on at the same time that made it fall out the background because the, the, the whole um, Harlem Music Festival happened at the same time as the moon landing and stuff like that. Yeah. So it, kind of pulled out, it didn't get any news coverage whatsoever. So he then wins the documentary Oscar at the moment when 
to be that happens about, but now no one is overshadowed talking about again, that that, sort of, the irony of that is just so unbelievable that's that happened do you think Smith should have got the Oscar after doing that serious well, question well the Oscars have given the Oscars and the kind of given awards to Roman Polanski and to other people of degenerate fame. So I have actually no issue with Will Smith getting it because I don't think you can take it off or not give it to one person and even give it to other people. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't give it to Will Smith. Like I don't think it was the best performance of the year, but that's that's another matter. Um, yeah. I think personally, what they maybe should have done is got Will Smith out of the room, skipped that Oscar, and then just announced it the next day. By the way, Will Smith won this Oscar. Mm. But he's not yeah, getting involved. yeah. Then he gets up on stage and starts talking about love and you know mm. charity and you're gonna go and you fucking punch the man on national television, dude. It's, it doesn't really ring true, you know. Yeah, it does. I, I think it, it's, it's a bad day when Denzel's got to talk you down. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's when you know you've hit rock bottom and you've got Denzel saying, "Dude, you're out of control." Aye. And <laughs> also listen to Denzel. Listen to what Denzel says. Yeah, absolutely. Denzel was like the fucking wisest man in the world. Surely, yeah. do you know what I mean? So the Denzel nicest thing about you. the Oscars was it happened the night before the Oscars was Samuel L. Jackson got his honor, honorary Oscar. Did you see that on TV? No, I didn't. No, have a look for it. They cut it. They cut this out. This out the show because they wanted to make it more streamlined and make more entertaining segments, which is a real pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got an honorary Oscar, and it's presented to him by Denzel. Oh, that's and really Sam sweet. Jackson looked genuinely heartfelt Filled. and warm by it. And it, it's a lovely oh. video to watch. So have a look for that online. I will do. I'll, I'll try and find that one. That's, I'm glad I didn't know that. That's good. That makes me happy. That, yes, and you should um, know that. It could actually be in the main event. It's been something that's in the Oscars. You know, something getting a legendary yeah. or an honorary Oscar. I you know. should be big fucking news at the Oscars. Yeah. And no. unfortunately, it's not. It's somebody bitch slapping somebody else. Which yeah. Is, that, is a shame, anyway, man. that is a we have discussed the Oscar. That's our Oscar chat. We'll move on to one <laughs> other bit of kind of sad, very sad news um, that broke this week was that I think a favourite of ours, um, Mr. Bruce Willis, um, has had to basically step away from acting now because he's suffering yeah. from aphasia. I think it's essentially a, a yeah. early form of dementia. Yeah, um, he basically has trouble speaking and stuff and remembering like that. things. And yeah. the stories coming out now is that for the last like sort of maybe few years, I mean, he's doing a film, he's been wearing like an earpiece and someone's been essentially yeah. feeding him lines while he's doing the film so he knows what to say, which is really sad because we've heard stories of Bruce Willis sort of like from other people we listen to and sort of maybe some craziness of Bruce Willis, you know, who he can be, yeah. but you boil it down, Bruce Willis has done some phenomenal films that oh, he is a pres- he's, he's a proper true movie star in the, great, in the proper sense of fashion, he belongs on the big screen. Oh yeah, yeah, de- definitely. He's like legendary. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like the, the, the body of work that the man's done in the past that's going to stay around and influence for mm. centuries to come. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He's he's always going to be a name that's, that's never forgotten. But um, I, it's, I didn't. I only read this thing. It was this morning actually. I didn't realise, and I read it, and I was like, "Wow, that's really sad." Poor Bruce yeah. Willis. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't realise it was that bad as well. Yeah. Um, that's what's more more sad. That, 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 Apparently that's why he's doing a lot of these sort of films recently where he's doing like sort of straight to DVD video movie DVD movies. Yeah, sort of like pop-ups and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. He's only doing like two or three days of work for work a day or, or, or a week. Um, oh, sorry, on a film. It'll be like, it's like a, mo- a month-long shoot. He's only on set for two or three days and yeah. they trim his dialogue down to the sort of the bare, bare minimum so that they can get him on, just to get him on the poster, essentially, just to make sure, he, you know, that, that's a, Bruce Wells is still a selling point of a film. People will still respect him, you know, they'll want to watch Bruce Wells. Yeah, um, yeah. It just, it's, it's very sad, more than anything else. I yeah. wonder if, um, obviously, he's been kind of in decline for a while and people have been seeing, you know, he's been wearing a 
your piece. your piece for a while and you can see it's taking its toll. I wonder if it's the pressures to keep doing it that, that's kept them going or if it's a choice. Do you know what I mean, I, I did wonder which one it Possibly is. could be a bit of both. You know, maybe it's maybe he's trying to maybe get some bank his money so he's like, you know, I mean, I mean, I imagine he's very financially secure, but just to make mm. 100% sure you make apparently pick up like two million bucks a movie and he's done something like 22 movies in the past like eight years, you know, right. to sort of to, to get this kind of work under his belt to make sure he's got this financial, you know, sort of stability. Because he's got kids and stuff like that. Kids and, and ex-wife, kids couple of ex-wife, ex-wife possibly, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. But no, it's a shame, man. Genuinely, genuinely sad. And I know we've kind of all heard the horror stories about Bruce Willis and stuff like that, but do you know what? Man's a fucking Hollywood star. They're all dicks. Do you know what I mean? Seriously. Favourite Bruce Willis film? Oh, top three then. Top three Bruce Willis films. Top three. Um, Die Hard. Die Hard is number one. That's, that's a given, yes. Um, controversially, The Sixth Sense. Fair enough. I understand. Wonderful performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really like him in The Sixth Sense. And last but not least, I'm going to be a total douchebag and say Hudson Hawk. I, you know what, if I felt someone who can never see Hudson Hawk, it would be you that would say Hudson Hawk. I just, I do, I've got such good things about that film, just it makes me feel nice things and yeah. nice songs to do and stuff like that, and it's just so fucking mental that it's brilliant, it's genius. He, he, man had range, you know? Oh, for sure, he went, he went nuts on that film. Um, yeah. yeah. So that, that's my top three, what about you? I think, again, Die Hard, number one, um, love Die Hard. Um, <coughs> I'm a massive fan of Death Becomes Her as well. That's a great film. And again, he's playing a, a slightly kind of different, different character role. again in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I really love Death Becomes Her. Um, I think, what else is Bruce Wells? Whatever I'll, I'll pick. You know what? I really, it's one of his more recent ones. Um, but Looper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Looper's really good as well. Also, Pulp Fiction as well. Pulp Fiction's there as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, um, uh, 12 Monkeys as well, even. That's. Twelve Monkeys is a phenomenal film as well. Fifth Element as well. Unbreakable. Um, oh, fucking hell, man. Yeah, Un- Unbreakable is absolutely fucking stunning as well. Yeah. Um, did they not do one where he was in the army as well? Oh, fuck. Tears of the Sun. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. For- There's so, yeah. so many. Do you remember just- him in Moonlighting? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember Twilight's think- own episode. Yeah, I do. Uh, Shardy, it's called. It's one that I phone so home remember. It's called Shardy. Yeah. He picks up, he he picks up the phone. his own phone. Yeah. Very creepy. Very well done. No, I, I do. I remember that very well. Um, very, very quickly before we move on from. Remember Mr. his Bruno phase out of interest. I, I had the album, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Under the boardwalk, he ah. done a fucking mean version of that song. Um, I actually let Lorraine hear it a few years ago. She was like, "What you talk about, Bruce Willis sings?" And I was like, "Here." Not only did he he had to be called Bruno. He like he wanted to go by Bruno. Remember? He went, but do you know? Do you what? Know, the man can sing, though. Do you know he got a voice. Listen? Yeah, he's not yeah. that bad voice, man. Ah, no. he could build it out. Um, and I think he done quite well out of it as well. Yeah, he thinks he's done okay. A few albums, but I've, I've, yeah. I've, I don't know if I still got it somewhere. But yeah, the return of Bruno. I've got the album. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Um, Die Hard. Who's your favourite one? Uh, one. One. I'm always torn between Vengeance and, and the original. I do love Vengeance. Vengeance is great because mm. he's not quite the superhero in that one. He's still yeah. an ordinary guy, but it is sense of like it's happening for the third time. There's a wee bit too much of a kind of 
doesn't really feel believable but, in a, sense, a weird sense. And I think bringing Jackson in was like, the boot worked too well, and I think no, I that I just enhanced there. It's, it's a tough one, man. I'm, I'm always going to... I love the opening of the venue. Yeah. Someone in the city, then all the bomb goes yeah. off in the yeah. department store. There's a crack yeah. opening to a film. Yeah, um, totally. You know, I, I think Venue's a great film. It's underrated. It's, two's actually got a lot of charm to it as well. I really like number two as well. Two's, yeah, he, he's good in two. I think the plot was a bit fucking a bit crazy. Um, but him, yeah, it's John McLean. He kind of, you know, gave you more of the character, which oh. was really, really good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, all, until we get to the number four when he's like, like in five, and he became like a sort of like the superhero. You know, he's he, he climbing on jet planes and stuff like that, and flying off, and that kind of got like that. The whole point was that he was a normal guy. He's a New York City cop. You know, that's kind of the whole premise. Yeah, it was me or you in the wrong situation at the wrong fucking uh-huh. time. Yeah. Um. Oh, the last one, Billy Bathgate. That's a great film as well. Billy is sweet, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he's plays the mobster really well. Jim. Oh. He's like kind of mobster with a heart kind of thing. But no, Billy Bathgate's a good film. Speaking as well. of mobster, he plays a really good mobster in Motherless, Bro- Motherless Brooklyn with. Um, oh, what? Lorraine watched that the other night. I've never seen it. Is it good? It's, it's a decent film. Ed Warnock not kind of loves himself a little bit too much as a director. He loves himself as mm. the actor. Um, mm. But you can see. I think this is what we got with Bruce Wells. If you can engage him properly, he, be, he was very, very good. But. A lot of writers use him as sort of the body of Bruce Willis. They weren't actually using him as like the actor. And maybe that was part yeah. of the problem with the illness and things like that as well. But when he was engaged in a role, he still could bring it. You know, when you watch something like Looper, like Marvelous Brooklyn, like um which I recently as well, even going back to Split, I mean he was not split um Glass. It's not a great film, but he's still very good in it, you know. He's got that. He's, whenever, as you say, whenever he's on screen, you're watching Bruce Willis right. I mean, and you're aware it's like that. So Tom Cruise or Schwarzenegger, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're aware you're watching something that's bigger than bigger than the fucking movie it's in, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you've always got that with Willis, but um, it's a real shame that he's real sadness, real sadness. I feel, yeah. I feel we're losing too many movie stars. We're not, there's no real movie stars now, which are real. I'm kind of sad by that, anyway. Anyway, moving on, moving on to happier new, happier, happier things. What have you watched at home, Colin? You want to talk about anything of interest? Oh, you've seen? Um, at home, um, I'm still watching Mrs. Mazel. Nice. Um, so we're on the episode six now, I think. So we're nearly we're nearly done this new season. Um, getting slightly better. Um, still, still not the strongest season, but it is it is getting better. Um, I really really love um Tony Shalob's in it. What's his name? Tony, Tony Shalob. He's in Men in yeah. Black and he's in Monk and yeah. stuff. And yeah, yeah. He's in that. He play. He plays the Jewish dad. Not um. Ah, every 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 time his character just speaks or does any, he just steals it. I mean, he just fucking this amazing character. He's just so 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 funny. Um. So he's my main reason for watching it just now. Is just I just want to see what madness he's up to. Do you know what I mean? And he's just such a joy to watch him just dialoguing or monologuing. Do you know what I mean? He's just like he's such a talented talented actor that. Doesn't get enough recognition. Um, so Mrs. Maisel, I'm watching, and did I watch anything else this week? Let's see, I've had this some week. I've not been working late, I've not watched much. I think that's pretty much been it. There's a couple of episodes of Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. I'm I'm I've not watched anything home of interest. Um, I'll what we're gonna talk about more at length. Um, but yeah, I've been sure. quite quiet in terms of TV yeah. watching as well. Um, so we'll move on to what the kind of movies of this week that, that we've all that we've, well, one of us at least seen and one of us seen really. um <laughs> So we'll start with one we've both seen, and that's a Netflix yeah. film called Windfall, mm. um, which is directed by Charlie McDowell, who directed a film called Discovery and One I Love, which I quite liked One I Love, um, uh, a decent film. The plot of this film is there is a a man breaking into a, a house in sort of, I think it's sort of like Californian sort of desert 
um, sort of very very nice house, very fancy house, very impressive yeah. house. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a fucking fantasy getaway house. Yes, it's an it, yeah. Elon Musk type house essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would yeah. Yeah. Um, he's burglarizing it, burglarizing it quite ineptly, I would say. Um, the rub comes while he's doing that. The owners of the house come back um, when they're not expecting it, um, and they catch him in the act. Um, then what follows is basically it's a sort of three-hander between these the, the couple and the robber as they essentially wait it out because he's now been seen and he wants money in order to start a new life and yeah. they're basically having to sit tight while the money arrives and it's sort of yeah. kind of drama plays out amongst the three of them as they wait for the money um, and that's essentially it Basically, yeah. um, it's it, like yeah. I said, the robbers, it's, it's a kind of billionaire's house, so there's kind of you're kind of dealing with sort of the super rich and the the, the needy essentially. He's sort of the, the downtrodden, yeah. and it's it's all yeah. touching upon that. Um, and then you've got Jesse Plemons playing the rich billionaire Elon Musk, Bill Gates type figure, which um, threw me for six because when I read the blurb, my uh-huh. instant go to was, Oh, Jesse Plemons playing a bad guy, he's a bird, right, okay. this would be cool. Um, so, yeah. I was totally expecting that. And then he's not a nice started. guy, though, he is a complete and utter douche in it. Oh, it- totally, but it's just, I just would have thought he was, he was the bad robber. guy behind, and it started. And I was like, Whoa, I mm-hmm. did not see that at all. Um, you've got Lily Collins playing his wife, and yep. you've also got Jason Siegel, he plays uh, um, the robber. And a yep. guy called Omar Leo plays a gardener who plays a role within the film very, very briefly, but memorably. Very I think briefly. A <laughs> couple of minutes, yeah. <laughs> but, but, owns, but again, owns his scenes that he's in. Yeah, he does. He does, he does. Actually, yeah. He <laughs> comes in and does his job perfectly well, yeah. Um, what do you think of this one? Because I, 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 I actually watched this one. What do you think of this one? Because I know you're a big fan um, of all three of the minute. That's mainly the way I've got I'm actually, um, yeah, so I, I kind of read the blurb and I... I think I went in expecting more of a kind of like almost hateful 80s situation, do you know what right. I mean? Like kind of lots of dialogue and anger and yeah. oil and tension and blood and guts and do you know what I mean? Like fucking murder and all that. Yeah. And it wasn't, it really was a character study. Um, it yeah, could be I mean, a play. It's, it's it could got, be on stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's got tension and stuff like that, but it is ultimately about these three people. Um how to interact with each other and what revelations that brings that then change the dynamic of the movie. And a perception um, of each other, essentially. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, three leads were great. Seagal was really starting to impress me a lot. He was in, remember, Our Friends? That's what I was going to say. So, there came a point maybe about a decade ago when Seagal, Seagal is it Seagal or Seagal? Seagal, Seagal, uh, Seagal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm saying Seagal. I'm listening to a podcast about J- um, Stephen Seagal. Interesting man. <laughs> um, but Seagal, about ten years ago, he sort of decided he's not going to do comedy. Almost, he's going to be this sort of like, you know, maybe he's in a Muppet movie, and he was in like, um, what was it? The woman he kept, he kept getting his dick out as well in films. Remember, he's sort of that guy. Yeah. He kept, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Sort of forgetting Sarah Marshall was the other one he was yeah, in and stuff like that. So, yeah. He's done a lot of comedy, obviously been on um, How I Met Your Mother and stuff like that. He was a comedy actor. But with that film, um, was the one you said a mention ago? Our Friends. Friends. He sort of became this almost quite sad sack, serious sort of like character actor. Almost, he played, he has got very, he has got quite a sad face, like a very kind of downfall looking. Yeah. Kind of like a big, giant, sad bear. He's a massive man. Yeah, he's like six huge foot boy. Yeah. yeah. But there is a sort yeah. of, he has a vulnerability to him at all times. You feel like, you do feel that like you want to hug him and keep him safe. Yeah. Which Tell should him be it's kind of, okay. We well, could be, be all the way around. 
see, I don't really know him from um, How I Met Your Mother. I've never really watched oh, okay. that. So to me, I've seen him in a couple of films and then this more serious stuff. So I don't have as much uh, right, comedy much, background yeah. and stuff for that. But no, I'm not, he's, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. He's owning it. He's doing it. No, well, it's, 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 just, it's just an interesting film. Similar to what we were saying about Vince Vaughn last week, remember yeah. we were talking about how Vince is kind of taking himself out of that kind of yeah. light fluffy films and doing these roles that are more suited to his body type and character. Yeah. And I think Seagal's doing the same and I think he'll get more and more notice and he'll get more and more roles like this where he can get to show more and more range. Yeah. And I think he's got surprises in there for us, I think, definitely. Oh, definitely. I think he's like, like I think that one you mentioned, so I keep forgetting the name of it, but it's quite a generic reference. Our friend, our friend, yeah. that was a such a sad, wonderful performance. He deserved to be more sort of nominated and seen for that kind of film. Sure. It was just a, such a yeah. dark and love, but such a dark and sort of also kind of warmth to the this, the film as well. And it's just sort of what he what he brought to that. And this Believe is what's the same. Yeah, he's representing the sort of every he's representing every man and how every yeah. man kind of feels right now. He's sort of that been beaten up and kind of downtrodden, and he sort of plays it so well. Um, I'm kind of like you. I thought it was a bit like sort of. It's a fairly rudimentary plot. There's not a lot going on, and it isn't yeah. fairly predictable. You can it's predict it's very it's predictable. Yeah, oh, yeah. Especially the, the last act was a bit of a kind of letdown because it was so obvious that that was a bit rushed, a bit contrived. It felt like they're trying to get to yeah. the end. Yeah, the three yeah. leads in the film keep it so watchable. Definitely, they're all very good at what they do. Clemens. What, what can he not do? Um, I mean, really, I've seen this till then. He's a chameleon, isn't he? He's, he's, you know, he's, he's like sinister as fuck in Breaking Bad. He's dead funny in things like Game Night. Do you know what I mean? Then he does shit like this. Do you know what I mean? Where he's like a dead... You know, he's then like, Jungle Cruise member for like the bad I, that to- as well. Totally. There was one of me and Lorraine watched where he was like kind of the gay guy looking after his, his mum and stuff like uh-huh. that. Do you know what I mean? He's just like fucking... The, the the dog one as well. Do you know I mean, it turns up in that. Do you know what, I mean? oh. so what can you not do, Jesse Plemons? Do you know what I mean what can you? It's fucking a revelation sometimes. Really would, if Jesse Plemons was playing me, I would assume he'd do a good job at it. It seems to be able to play anything and do anything. Ah, he's total total chameleon of an actor. Um, yeah. but it's it's that we face. So do you know what I mean every time you see him, you just you do like you're like, oh, it's Jesse Plemons. Do you know he has got an odd look about him. He's not your. <laughs> he's not your. He's not your traditional handsome Hollywood actor. He's got a kind of no. There's an oddness to him almost. Absolutely, yeah. He's a weird looking fucker. Um, he's yeah. peeling fucking Kirsten Dunst, do you know what I mean? But he's a weird looking fucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it works for him. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like let's see whatever you see him in screen, yeah, it's oh it's just a play with you know I mean yeah. you feel nice and you want to watch him. Um Lily Collins, um I don't really know much of her work, but the camera loves her man. She she's a Pretty, pretty lady, and, and do you know what I mean? She, the camera loves her a lot, man. She just holds the camera so well, so she does. She has again. She's got something about her. I think that's um, that's quite um, magnetic to the camera. Mm. Like I sort of, it does yeah. seem like that's the kind of thing that it, it's sort of. I think this role she's slightly underwritten. I don't think she's got quite as much to do, but what she has mm. got to do, she does it well. Yeah. Um, it is nice to see her in sort of more. This is sort of a more serious role because she has done a little bit too much kind of cookie cutter stuff. Um, mm. She was in like um, she's in Emily in Paris. That's sort of a big Netflix show. She's she's Emily. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she has been in stuff like Mank and Inheritance and Tolkien. Um, she was also in I think something you might have seen. She popped up in The Dig. She's in Okja as well to the bone. She's 
Yeah, but she was sort of more bigger for probably stuff like the mortal instruments, city of bones and stuff like that. Mirror, mirror, she was yeah. so white. Um, yeah. she's not broken out yet. I would say she's not proper. There is something about her. I agree with you that the sort of she is very. The camera does love her, like you said. Um, yeah. And that's that's. I do kind of mix her up a little bit with the girl who's playing Pam and Tommy right now. Oh, Lily James. I, I, I think yeah. they're interchangeable sometimes. I don't really... I think so. Yeah. No, I like Lily James. Um, I like, I like Lily James got... as well. That's the problem. Lily Allen's like got... She's also got a sexy voice, Lily Allen. I didn't realise... Uh, Lily Allen or Lily the... Collins? Uh, Co- Collins, sorry. She's yeah. got that kind of dusky, sexy voice as well. Do you know what I mean? And those looks and stuff. And do you know what I mean? She, she played... Yeah, she, she did. She was really good. They, they were all really good, man. They were all fucking... Spot on, they all just turned up, done a cracking job. You know, with the script they had, um, even the gardener, as you say, turned up then perfectly serviceable as, as a gardener. Yes, like he has, yeah. he has a moment, and he is sort of like Chekhov's gun in the film, you know, sort of like you know, he's gonna have a, a role to play that's gonna be an important role. Um, yeah, like I said, it, it's is. one of the films where it's, it's very suited, I think, to Netflix. It's, it's about 90 minutes to 100 minutes long, it does. Mm. Even at that, I think there's a stodgy middle to it when the things do get a little bit, you know, advance the plot a little bit quicker. Yeah, yeah. Because the three leads, because the three leads are so likable and they're so not likable in a sense, not one of them is an absolute douche in it, but they're very watchable. <laughs> they're very watchable actors. Yeah. You do feel yeah. the sense that I'm, I'm actually quite happy to watch them do their craft. Yeah, yeah. You want to see, yeah, you want to see how it ends because you're invested in them. Yes, you invest. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. bring something to the characters. You're investing who the characters are. So you want to see how it all turns out. And that's. Do you do, do you think it was meant to be funny, dark, funny, or not? Dark, funny. I, I think dark, I, funny. I thought, but not, I but it, wasn't, it was. It wasn't dark enough. It wasn't funny enough. That was maybe part of the yeah. problem. Like, yeah, yeah. Like if this had been a, they were if, going for it. If this had been like a Scandinavian version of this film, like sort of like, like mm. done by like sort of um, like the Headhunters kind of guys and all they kind of get out of like. It would have been properly dark, funny. I think it would have been a lot. Yeah, it would have, it would have had yeah. more of an impact. This felt it was a bit too tame. Like it didn't have quite the yeah. conviction to go full with it and be completely ridiculous. Um, yeah, because some of it was like farcical situation, wasn't it? You're like, this is just fucking bizarre. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it didn't really sell it enough. Think, yeah, because when you read the, the, the kind of description for it. Um, an IMDb, it's not comedy, it's like kind of drama, thriller, do you know what I mean, like that. I'd but say black comedy. comedy, definitely a black yeah, comedy. Really, I, I kind of definitely got, they were trying to push it, but yeah, it didn't, didn't quite land right. The, I think the comedy comes from the absurdity of the situation, you know, of yeah. like someone robbing you and you sort of spend the night with them chatting, that sort of like yeah. kind of madness of it. The weirdness. The weirdness. Yeah. Know, overall, yeah, overall I did, I enjoyed it um, more than I thought I was going to. Um, yeah. And to say, I was pleasantly surprised by, to me, the <coughs> reversal of Clemens yeah. and, and Seagal um, switching roles. But she probably didn't switch roles. That's how it's recast. Yeah. But in my in head, your mind, like, in your mind, yeah. Yeah, Clemens would have been the, the bugger. Out of 10? Out of 10, I would give a six and a half. I'd give it a very solid seven. I, I enjoyed seven. it. Cool. Cool. So we're, we're yeah. roughly in the same space. <laughs> Lorraine yeah. watched it with me and she enjoyed it as well. She, That's she, good. Jill, Jill liked it as well. She likes yeah. big. Uh, she likes big Seagal. Um, yeah. She enjoys him. Um, on from that, we'll go to one that I can guarantee he's not going to get seven out of ten, but I won't spoil what it's going to get. Um, <laughs> and that film is Blacklight, which is directed by Mark Williams, not the snooker world champion, um, but uh, a film director who directed a film called The Family Man and An Honest Thief, 
both Liam Neeson films, which will tell you who's in this film as well. Um, <laughs> the plot of this film is, I'm actually forgetting what the fuck the plot of this film was, so I'm going to have to Google it to try and remember that is how invested in this film I was. That Liam Neeson is a retired hitman or service agent. Um, someday... Travis Block is a government operative coming to terms with a shadowy past when he discovers a plot targeting US citizens Block finds himself in the crosshairs of the FBI director he once helped protect. Uh, Liam Neeson is Travis Block, playing a American Vietnam veteran with the most fucking Liam Neeson Northern Irish accent. He oh, can... does he not even turn on an accent? No, this is, like this is at least the third film I've watched in the last 18 months where Liam Neeson talks about his war experience and he talks about um, Vietnam with an Irish accent going... Get, like you're not you went in Vietnam. Even, like Ireland's had some troubles in the past. You could easily yeah. play it as that. You know? But um, he, he can do American, can he? He's, he's done American before. He can, he can. I think this. I think yeah. he's now so bold he can't be fucked. But anyway, <laughs> he's just like, no, I'm the Mason. You fucking get me. You get Irish. Okay? I, I'm here for a month. Let's do this. Get the paycheck. <laughs> anyway, Liam Neeson's in it. You've also got Aidan Quinn popping up in it. Taylor Johnson. Ooh. Like I do Quinn. love Aidan Quinn. I'm a massive fan. I okay. think he is one of the most underrated talents in this fucking yeah. planet. Underused in this. Um, Taylor John Smith and Emmy Rave Lumpman. So she's in it as well. Um, this is the cookie cutter, most standard, subpar Liam Neeson action movie that we've all come to expect. And I feel bad saying this now because we've just sort of said how we feel bad for Bruce Willis, you know, about stuff yeah. he was doing. I yeah. don't think Big Liam's got the same problem as, as Bruce. No, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I think he's just making bad choices. I think these films just seem to. But surely the, the, there must be somebody in the background saying, "Here, you know, take this." He must have a manager that, that oh. fucking does this stuff for him. Do you know what I mean it's unless so what, what's going wrong? Unless he's one of those guys who didn't make a lot of money because you think about it, what were his big hits? They weren't money spinners. Schindler's List was a big money maker for him. I don't think I'm a big moneymaker because he was he was just a, an actor at that. He wasn't it's not like he's getting like taken to taken would have got money. Taken wasn't paid a lot of money for unless he's got profit in the back end. He's just a, a job actor basically. He's kinda like yeah. Like I'm not saying he's not done he's done great work and stuff with Michael Collins and all that mm. kind of stuff. You know, he's done some wonderful work. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. maybe not the greatest paid work, you know, it's sort of like yeah. you know, he's maybe making well that that's the thing is Ah, exactly what you're saying. It's like he's Liam Neeson for a reason. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Because he has done this amazing stuff before. So yeah, it's like what's what's happened? Aye, what, he, what, what's uh, going on? Apart from Taken, he's not got the franchise that given him the cash. You think about it? Mm. You know, he pops well, up in like yeah. um, Line of Witch as a as a voice actor. Um, yeah, but other than that, he's not really got the sort of. You know, the Money Spinner movie. I think you look back at his history, he's not really got that big Money there's, Spinner there's movie, I don't think, has he? No. How about Star Wars? Would have, it's surely Star Wars, maybe he's only in one of them. Uh, fucking hell. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? So, so, it's, right, so this one is similar to Willis. They're, they're just hitting out with these quick, quick, quick cheap movies. Probably quick, cheap, six weeks quick, of filming. Cheap. He can knock four or five out of these a year and he's, he's set. Jesus you know. Christ, yeah. that's him. Yeah. It's a shame because I've watched a couple of films recently. I think this one was like about him and his son all playing opposite each other, going back to sort of um, clear out the, the, the home of the, the ex-wife, the wife who'd passed away. And it was a very emotional film because of 
you know, what happened with his ex-wife yeah, and the mother yeah, of his children, yeah, so yeah. very sad. So he has got acting range, he can do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, Liam Neeson, he's got acting talent. This yeah. is very much, he's sleepwalking through it, like absolutely Again. just dozing through it. You could, there's, there is nothing behind the eyes. If he could have phoned in it and just done that, he would have done it. Um, so he's doing CGI, nothing, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll do the voice. Fucking... Um, <laughs> doing nothing different um, from what you've seen him do in the last bunch of these films, like Ice Truckers and fucking whatever else he's been in. Um, support characters are all basically caricatures. There's absolutely no development there. And the action scenes are basically just the most by-the-numbers action scenes you've ever seen in your life. Um, it's just a sad, straight-to-DVD watch that's not particularly interesting. Yeah. That's not good for Neeson, is it? All. No. We, need, we need more from, from Liam. We need, to, we need to see Liam. I was going to ask, um, so during, when, it, when the action stuff's happening, is this still quite sprightly? Liam Neeson's not been sprightly for a long time, sir. Yeah. If you watch something, it's like taking three when he's jumping a fence, and there's like 15 cuts and I'm jumping a fence. <laughs> you know, to try and get him through the fact that he's he'd be able to jump the fence, you know. Airbrush yeah, out the person. I think he's got bad knees, over. bad hips. You know, Liam Neeson is, he was born in 1952, so he's what, 70? Yeah, he's uh, old fair. But that, that's, this seems to be the thing just now, is, you know, getting these kind of old actors and making them into action heroes. That, that's like nobody, stuff like that. I mean, it still seems to be something that the industry insists that we want. And I, I don't know that I do. Do you know what I mean? It's... No, I think the thing, the thing was that he was in... Um, what's the word? I'm trying to think of what it was. I'm trying to think of what I was trying to say there. Is that... Taken was a, a sort of sleeper hit, you know. It's it was yeah. done almost like this. Probably just go through the DVD. It might just be something. Who knows what it will be? And he done it. I think mainly to work with the director. It was um, yeah. who was the director again? French director. Getting his name now. Uh, Jacques. It's not Jacques. It's a very famous French director <laughs> whose name I cannot remember right now. Which is sort of my age at this point. Down, I'm mocking him. Luke Besson. Oh, so Besson wrote it and produced it and things mm. like that. So I think maybe part of it was to try and work with him. Um, but it wasn't meant to be a start of a franchise or a start of anything other than that. It was supposed to be like, as a film, does really good. And then yeah. almost like he probably get paid his base rate for that. But then that spawned an industry where other people were getting paid massively for doing the same kind of film. You know, like essentially, yeah. it's no different from John Wick. And I guarantee you, Keanu made more money off John Wick than Liam made off the Takens. Than Liam's made in the past 15 years, probably, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good, good way of looking at it, man. So yeah. it's, I, think, I think that's what it is. It's just, it's, just, it's just a real kind of... Made in Italy was the name of the film I was trying to think of, by the way, when he goes back home with his son mm. to, to clear the house. Very, again, lovely character beats to it and, and some emotional heft to it as well. Um, this had none of that and it's just it's kind of sad when you see a guy doing this kind of work and you go you are definitely better than this you I mean, know you're better, better than this yeah. yeah you've seen better I mean fucking in the past year you've seen him do better work than what he's I, doing you'd be better just yeah. sort of walking away and doing maybe like a you know like a Peter O'Toole thing just coming back every now and again when a script really takes you not just taking work yeah. on for the sake of it you know yeah. it's a shame because I just don't think I just don't think I think now he's got to the point where people are bypassing them because yeah. the, the, it's such diminishing returns that they've been so poor, you can go, it's not people even bother watching it. 
you know, because it's like, oh, it's Liam Neeson in an action film. I know exactly what it is. I'm not going to bother watching it. Yeah, which, yeah, but again, it, it deserves better, doesn't it? Yeah. Just, the big man does deserve, deserve better than that because he has, he's Liam Neeson. He's big um, Liam. That's a shame, man. Yeah, that's a shame. Out of 10, what are you going to give us? Oh, but do you know what? You're so generous because like, if I talk that way about a film, I know I'm giving it a two or a three. I'm like fucking stonewalling it. You're always so. They still, again, they made, it. they made it. Well, I could make a film. I'm going to make a film and see if you give me a four. I'll Fuck give it. you a four. I'll give you, give you at least a four. <laughs> um, Tangerine can do it. I can Tangerine do it. can do it, yeah. So, anyway, four out of ten for Blacklight. It's on Sky Cinema, which again should have been a warning to me. Um, as, as we'll Is that a Sky car. Cinema? I think so. I, I can't remember if the Sky Cinema bought or Sky Cinema released or Sky Cinema produced, sorry, but it felt very Sky Cinema produced as opposed to. Yeah. yeah, which, um, yeah, we keep getting that one, don't we? We just yeah, we fall for it every time. If they and, and buy we're... something previously made, it's okay. If they produce yeah. it, it's just not so good. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, they'll get it eventually because Netflix have started getting it. I mean, they've had a few Oscars kind of <coughs> yeah. and stuff like that, and they're starting to kind of they still churn out a fucking, you know, but it's still like 90% shy, but there is 10% good films. I think Sky will eventually hopefully, catch up. Hopefully, Sky like, will figure well. out what they're doing. Yeah, they're just, they're just they're, they're finding, they're finding their feet just now. Because um, yeah. the stuff they pick up has generally not been too bad. Yeah, yeah. like mass Because it's, it's still like directors that are accomplishing stuff that they're using. So where's it going wrong? That's what I don't get. Do you know what I mean? Aye, very it's, odd. It's bizarre. Aye, aye, it's just strange that they can't just get it. You know, they've got the money, they've got the resources, they've got the talent pool. Put it all Sounds together. Like Sky's the last port of call to get money, as opposed to like one of the first. So they're sort of everybody else is passed on the work, maybe something like that, possibly. And yeah. sort, of there. sort of budgets maybe going down and down as well. Every time they get to the movie you want to make, it's like, well, I can't do that. Like so that one, we, we watched that one with the the, the action film set in the um, the jungle, the, the one take film. What was it called? Oh yeah, the one me and you watched. Aye, one shot, one shot, yeah. one shot, or something like that. And it, yeah. you, you could tell they had ideas of like a big actor in that with a big supporting cast of like real mm. note. And then Skies yeah. went, no, 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 no. <laughs> they they had Chris Hemsworth ideas, <laughs> and then they went, can we get Liam Hemsworth? They went, no, you can't get. No, Liam no, you, you can't get Liam Hemsworth. So who no. can we get? Can we, can we get Scott Adkins? Well, that's mm, all. You get Scott Adkins. Can't Adkins. Have anyone else of note? Like, yeah. oh, okay, <laughs> just Scott Adkins. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's what they're at. Ca- two cameras? No, you get one camera. You get one, one camera. One yeah, camera. one camera. Scott Adkins. Go we'll do make something. a film. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what they're at. So yeah, I would say avoid blacklight. But if you are a Liam Neeson completist, which someone out there might be, then obviously I'm, I'm not a completist. I'm a fan. I'm a Neeson fan, but I'm not. I have fond memories of like kind of dark man and stuff. Pre two thousand Neeson, I'm a fan of. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even a wee bit later, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's it's a shame because I'm exactly what you were saying is like I will see a Neeson film on Netflix or that, and I'll be like, it's another Netflix fucking action flick for Neeson. I'm not interested, which. It's, yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad place. Yeah, because like yeah. I'm, probably, I'm, I'm looking through his recent career, um, and it's, it's, it's not good. But he's in that film, Ordinary Love, with him. It's him, and it's sort of like a. Um, oh, is that a the hotel one? I've not seen that. You've seen that? No, Ordinary Love was about. Oh, it's it's kind of a love story, basically. I think I can't remember. It's um, I'm saying, I don't remind myself of it. It's a couple. It's like a middle aged couple, and the wife's been diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. And it's them coming to terms with this and like how life, how his life's going to be after she passes away, and like and what the life means now as they try and sort of engage with what's left of of life. 
So it's him and Les- Leslie Manville. Like, genuinely mm. fucking heartbreaking and a wonderful performance. Here, here's a thought for you. So how how much of this career madness is down to his comments he made, remember, about four or five years ago? He, he done the... Oh, no, this black people his, comments. His decline think he was declining before yes. that? That, that yes. wouldn't have helped, of course, but... Wouldn't have helped, no, but it, the, the, the problems were happening well before that. Yeah. Although yeah. it didn't hinder as much as I thought it would have, those comments he made. I thought that would have just sunk him, like, who, Liam Hooch, I mean, gone from the industry, but I'm surprised that it, it never. No. It's, yeah. It was surprising how little it... Um, I, th- I think now, three or four years later, it, it might be a different story, but I think back then, the, the kind th- of wokeness thing was starting to become more of a... I think it was one of those things where he's an old man saying it, a bit like Clint Eastwood saying it. Mm, maybe. Yeah. yeah anyway. It's intriguing. Anyway, enough Move about on from Big Liam. Yeah, Big Liam, Big Liam. We, we, we do pain for you. We hope you get back to back to prominence because we love yeah, you, Big Liam. There's one good movie in there still, isn't there? There's, there's still a good chance. Like the magic still there, yeah, yes. sure. Um, on from that, we'll get on to, amazingly, um, the Oscar winner for Best Picture, <laughs> which is Coda. Directed which by I CN... hadn't even heard of until this I'd seen it. Discuss that in a minute with you, so... Directed by Cian Heather, who done a film called Tallulah a few years ago, which I actually did quite like. Um, done a lot of TV work like Glow, Orange is the New Black, all that kind of stuff on Netflix. So she's a very prominent TV director. Um, okay. Before I get to the plot of the film, well, the plot of the film basically is that CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adult. So basically it's a family of, uh, of four. The mum, right. the dad, and the older brother are all deaf. The youngest daughter right. is, she can hear. So right. she basically becomes sort of... The, the ears of the family, you know, the local business right. relies on her because she can communicate with the, the fishermen and she can communicate with like sort of the suppliers and the people who are like sort of the pain stuff too. So she, be- and she becomes that voice in the family. Um, okay. What she also loves to do, she loves to sing and, and she wants to be in the choir and press, impress a boy. And not only does she want to sing, she's very good at singing. She could actually go to college, university based on her singing talent. But the right. family don't seem to get this because they're, Death. Death. They go, they're kind of going, yeah. how dumb can you be? You know, the mother says, like, if I was blind, you'd be a painter just to annoy me. You know, it's yeah. like the idea you're a teenager, you'll do anything, whatever your parents tell you to do, you will do the exact opposite of it. Yeah. So that yeah. leads attention to the family. She wants to try and pursue her own life. The family, as much as they want to help her do that, they're also very conscious that if she goes away, they are left behind in terms of their, their business and their industry and how they would um, they would cope in this in this world. Um, okay. So that's essentially the film. It's a, it's a family drama about that situation. What I would say is, it won the Best Picture Oscar. Um, I can see why. It's it's a very oscar baity movie. It, it's got a lot of mm-hmm. the kind of tropes that Oscar people love. Mm-hmm. What did let... What, I'm, I, what I do find odd about winning the Oscar, and, and this is not about winning the Oscar, this is more about just sort of the general state of film right now, is you've not seen it, yeah. I could have watched it any time. I just hadn't watched it until recently just because of time and stuff, things like that. But it's on Apple Plus, okay? So for the first time in probably about God knows how long, an average person can't watch the best film winner. You know? Unless you've got Apple Plus or you, yeah. you download it. So it's not in the cinema. Yeah. There's no schedule for like a a hard copy DVD Blu-ray release of it. So, like, this is a film that, for example, my granny would probably quite like. 
But there's no way my grand can mm. watch this. You can't go to the local library and rent a copy of this event like that because she it's needs not... to buy Apple to watch it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's but, probably the least again, accessible. A- a- I was going to say, Apple's the one with the least audience. Yeah. Um, def- definitely, you know, the, the, all the others are, are, you know, quite... I'll be saying the same with Netflix or Amazon Prime because it's like, yes, there's more people who have that, but it's still very odd that there'll be a, a, yeah. a significant proportion of the population who won't have access to the best picture winner. So it's, it's kind of, it's very odd. It's probably the, the least seen best picture winner of probably yeah. ever. Which is bizarre. Did it, in, did, in, a day, in, a, in an era when we're probably more available to media than we ever have been in the history of mankind, yeah. it's the film we've seen the least. You can't, yeah, you, you need to have Apple to see it or tough shit. You're uh-huh. never going to see this film. It's bizarre. Um, which I'm not going to buy Apple for as much as... No, that's the thing. You're not going to buy it just to see yeah. one film. That, that, that's the yeah. thing. It's, in fact, there's no physical release of it. To me, it strikes me very, very odd. Because it like... Yeah. Or even in a push to go, right, okay, one best picture, let's give it a week release somewhere. You know... Cinema, even a cinema release for a week just for to a week. get out of it. Yeah, people... Yeah, yeah. An Oscar always gives you a bump. Yeah. Oh, and for people sure. would go people and see it based on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, is is the family deaf? Are they, they play by deaf actors? Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is always always nice um, to to get them using fucking deaf people, not actors. Play pretend to be deaf. Yeah. So yeah. in the film, you've got Amelia Jones, who is an English actress. She plays the the daughter who can hear. She she's she can hear. She had to go to sign language school and learn it all, so she can play it properly. Essentially, yeah. yeah. Um, Molly Matlin plays the mum. You must know her. I know that name. Children of the Lesser God. Ah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, cool. She's cool. a very famous right. deaf actress. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Troy Kotzer, he won Best Support Actor. He plays the dad. Um, Daniel Durant plays the, the um, brother. And Eugenio Derbez plays our music teacher. He's not deaf. He just, he's teaching the young girl how to, you know, access her Sing. voice properly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, very Oscar Beatty, a very middle-of-the-road picture. I would compare it in the sense to... Uh, green book oh right, like okay. it's it knows exactly the the nerve and the heartstring it's playing at yeah the, the point where it feels so middle of the road and just sort of very beige is probably a, it, it, yeah. you know it's, it's safe it's safe safe, safe is yeah. what you use so that's a better yeah, word yeah. it's completely yeah. utterly non-controversial well I think it is something controversial about it, but I'll get to that in a minute but it's it think it's it's playing to the almost the hallmark crowd, you know. That's mm. it doesn't have anything particularly sort of memorable or cinematic in it, which not everyone has to like big explosion in that. It never yeah. felt particularly that sort of interesting. I would say it's not a bad yeah. film. It's it's actually probably fifty percent a decent movie, but just it it felt like a TV movie at times, like very much like a TV movie. You know, rather than something that should be up for best picture. Considering what it was up against, yeah, it seems odd going by what you're saying that this is walked away with it. So, again, as you say, a lot Oscar of voters—they're all white, tick, they're all old. Tick, yeah, know. tick tick the right boxes, and you'll get you'll get the attention. Yeah, it's not about sometimes what the film is; it's about you know, does it tick all these boxes? I mean, yeah. so you've got the disability like, like, box. Like tick, Green do you know what I mean, Green Book done that yeah. perfectly. You know. Um, yeah. Like Amelia Jones, who plays a young girl in it, she's excellent. I actually really enjoyed her in it. Um, mm-hmm. She wears a Boston Bruins jersey, which I obviously put her on side with myself, so I was very <laughs> pleased with that. It is set in Massachusetts, um, but she wearing a Boston jersey, so I was very happy with that. Her dad 
it's lovely. He, it, the, the relationship between them two is really, it's very sweet and really lovely because a fisherman and she's the eyes and ears, she's the ears on the boat to make sure they don't crash into shit and stuff like that and yeah. ask the radio and stuff like that. So that's the most interesting story is the family dynamics of just like a family trying to deal with the sort of someone going away, you know, mm. and, and, and what it means because there's a love of like, we don't want you to leave because we love you, but also there is a sort of sense of there's like, we need you because you make this tick. Yeah. I know, yeah. but also she also feels very left out at times because she's a girl in town who is the kind of freak in town because all her family are deaf and she's walking around yeah. and she's having to translate for them and she's trying to do stuff for them and people yeah. point, people yeah. laugh at so, so she has to feel a bit, she's like, she's, she's in her words, or not words, other people in the town's words, she's the normal person, but she's yeah. treated like the abnormal person. When she's not, yeah. No, yeah, yeah you know what I mean? So that kind yeah. of thing. This, this story the singing story felt to me like offensively simplistic. Yeah. You know, the idea of like, well, they're deaf, so they can't appreciate singing, therefore that's most obvious. I mean, go for it. I did feel a bit like the Mary Matlin character says, you know, because we're deaf, this is what we're going to make you do type thing. It felt, yeah. like, it, it felt a little bit... Mm, Amfisted. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know what else you Also, you, you were saying like... They could have been a great math. They could be a great math or great actress. Why, why don't they just hire someone that that's, can do sign language as well? Well, that's a problem. They're fishermen. They don't make, <laughs> they don't make a lot of money. So to pay someone a wage to be the sort of sign language person ah, costs right. too much money, so they can't do that. Right. Okay. So okay. Basically, she's free labour. It's like having your kid work in your shop. Yeah. You know? As all kids should. Right. Although you see it like in a lot of like... Um, Chinese takeaways and like Indian restaurants, it's always like the yeah. kids are all working because it's always like free labor for the parents because it's like, well, we can have him take the yeah. orders because we'd have to pay him. We're already keeping him. So it's kind of yeah. a, bit, a bit of that kind of thing, family business type thing. Um, yeah. I think it's, it didn't need to be singing. They could have made her good at maths or a good yeah, actress. Anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. It felt odd to specifically pick the one thing they can't engage with yeah. just to make it because you can, because they're all fishermen. They all seem quite not redneck but they're kind of working class you know they all want to just mm. sort of have a drink after work you know they, they like to talk about crudely blah blah and that kind of stuff so if, if they made her the sort of one sort of like who's really into Shakespeare or something and she wants to keep doing that you know that would have just exactly the same impact as I as, as the, do, do you think they've just sat and thought right so what what can we do they're, they're deaf yes singing and they've just did somebody somewhere's thought yeah that's clever well, it's based on a, apparently it's based on a French film and that was a story in the French film as well so that's it right. felt very simplistic um, the, the family drama stuff was I found it quite compelling and sort of how a family dynamic it, it felt a re- it felt like a real family how the dynamic works you know mm. and it's she does feel the one left out in the family because they're all the same essentially and she's different which we all have that sometimes you know we all feel like this, yeah. they're all sided with one side and you're sort of the odd one out and stuff like that. we all have moments like that so the whole <coughs> family drama stuff felt very compelling I like that stuff so I would say it's like 60% a fine movie that's perfectly passable and 40% a bit kind of nah. yeah, which yeah. it shouldn't be but because this is like the best picture so it should yeah. be like 100% fine do you know what I mean so I think it's one of those we'll look back on and go that was a bit of a bad choice yeah but they would never admit that will they no they won't of course not of course not you know it definitely didn't feel like an Oscar Wobbly film to me. What, what would you give out of ten? Six. Six. Wow, that's pretty fucking nuts, man. That's I'm trying to think. Like, about, I'm, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of the Oscar winner film that I've enjoyed less than this. 
and you're struggling. I'm struggling to think. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Green Book, as we remember. I thought yeah. it was very much that white saviour complex, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed Vigo in it and enjoyed Marshall yeah. in it, so that's that was fine. But I'm really trying to rack my brain of one that I've, wa- I've watched. I mean, you know what? I just didn't jive on that at all. It just, yeah, it just didn't yeah. go. La La Land, did it win it? I believe it did, yeah. I enjoyed La La Land. La La Land, maybe up and down, but probably is, it, it had a wonderful ending, La La Land. So I, I, I was kind of down with it. But um, yeah, just felt very black. Well, got to them. You know, obviously run a hell of a campaign to win this damn thing. So, you know, hopefully it gives them a bump they want and gives them all a decent paycheck. How, how do you campaign a movie for Oscars? What's. It involves number one taking out ads in the sort of periodicals in Hollywood to make sure people see the film. Right. Um, do a, you do a lot of screenings of the film and invite people along to very fancy lunches to make them watch the film, and then they go, "Oh, Cora took me to that really nice lunch and I had a really good dinner and stuff like." That. And then I watch mm. the film, and they make him a vote rather than someone else. You oh. also a big thing apparently is you hit the nursing homes because a lot of like a lot of old white, you know, actors, cameramen, everybody at their own nursing homes now. It's all old white guys, um, and they'll watch these sort of films. They don't really watch anything with minorities in it because that makes them feel awkward. So give a film with all white people and it's a very wholesome story, that gets a tick box. It's nuts, isn't it? Crazy. It's not about uh, how good the film is. It's not about how, you know... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's political. You can get the votes into. Yeah, there's, there's like an actual tactical fucking mission drive to, to get a film that, that Oscar when it should be based purely on the merit of but they know a film that wins it will get a massive bump in terms of like sort of exposure which is which is really <laughs> more odd for this film because it's got the massive exposure now for winning it but everyone every has yeah. you've seen code I'm like yes I have they go where can you get them well you've got to get an Apple Plus and they're like well I don't have that I'm going well can't watch it yeah totally, totally tough shot I mean, that's it. my situation is like until it comes out somewhere else which it's doing it's going to yeah, because they'll keep a lid in it because it's an Oscar winner now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to fucking. And it's not quite. It's not got that film. Like for example, Disney Plus. Every parent will buy Disney Plus because it's got all the big hitters on it, and also you get every Disney yeah. film. So everybody wants it for kids. Therefore, that you've got you drive content outside. That's nice and easy. Netflix yeah. again, content galore. You'll drive it towards that. Amazon Prime. It's almost cheaper to have Amazon Prime than not have it now, based on the amount of stuff we all buy on Amazon. You know, it's actually, it becomes, yeah. actually uh, have Amazon Prime. Uh, it's like a bonus almost, and you get Amazon Prime uh, as well. Yeah. You're yeah. buying it for the cheap delivery, and you almost get the films as an extra. You think, oh, shit, I've got all this. Apple, I'm not, no one's going to go out and buy Apple Plus based on Coda. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. I think, yeah, I think it gets packaged a lot as like a kind of three months trial with Apple, but. Again, the problems I had, I mean, I, I kind of had it for a bit, but I, had, I, I couldn't get it because I've not got a smart TV and I couldn't yeah. get it streaming. So I don't, and I don't want to sit and watch something on a phone. Do you oh, mean, that's, no. not, that's, not, that's not my stick. Do you mean, I want the biggest screen I can fucking find. Yeah. So if I can't watch it on my TV, then that's, I'm out at that point. Do you mean, I'm, I'm like, that's the thing is, Apple Plus is probably some of the best content, original yeah, content. you've said this before, yeah. It's excellent yeah. content, but if it wasn't the fact that my wife got it based on her phone contract, yeah. I wouldn't be going to go away to buy it. Oh, you wouldn't go and get it either. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, so. it's, it's crazy, man. It's nuts. They've yeah. got to up their game a wee bit and make it accessible in the way Netflix and stuff are, where you can just, you know, blow up your now TV box or your smart TV and it's there on the screen. That's what it means. Right, if you're not going to do that, you've got to make it accessible, but they make it accessible to people who watch DVDs or Blu rays or yeah. buy it somewhere else. Anyway. As, as well. Anyway. That is so, us for yeah, this week. Th- 
a disappointing end to the to the podcast with, with an unworthy Oscar winner. My yeah, God. not an unworthy, just not my pick, not my pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but next week, some interesting choices. Like I said, you're not going to be here, so I'm trying to keep it a bit more Netflixy, human oriented for our friend who's joining us who doesn't get something much either. Um, so we have out on Netflix, we have The Bubble, which oh, is which the I'm new film looking from, forward to. Um, Judd Apatow and sort of yep. actors filming a film in isolation. Yeah. Yeah. And it just um, turns into madness. So yeah. Sure Karen Gillian's yeah. in it. You've got um, David Duchovny's in it. You've got Daisy Ridley yeah. popping up in it. I think Oscar Isaac. No, not Oscar Isaac. Pedro Pascal is in it. Yeah. Uh, he's in it so, as well. Yeah. It's quite a good, good cast. cast. And the trailer looks fun. Looks like everyone's having lots of having fun a good time. This one. Yeah. It yeah. does worry me that it's over two hours long, which is always a worry about Judd Apatow films that, that comedy's over two hours. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, also on the streaming sales, we have Amazon Prime. We've got Joe Bell, which is a Marky Mark film, which looks like a good character study um, of Marky Mark doing Marky Mark things. Who's Joe Bell? I'm just going to tell you who Joe Bell is. I don't know if it's a biopic or if it's... Um... Joe Bell sounds like a boxer. Joe me. Bell sounds like a porn star to me, but that's just me. Um... <laughs> okay, here we go. The true story of a small town working class father who embarks on a solo walk across the US to crusade against bullying after his son is tormented in high school for being gay. All right, so that's was... quite the opposite of being a boxer then. Yeah, it's <laughs> very progressive for Marky Mark. Yeah, it does. It could be interesting. It could be yeah. an interesting watch as well. Um, you've also got on Netflix as well, you got Apollo 10 and a half, which is a sort of not quite animation, but sort of that thing that um, a scanner darkly does, you know, that sort of rotoscaping rotoscape stuff. It's yeah, um, a yeah. new film of Richard Linklater um, mm. about sort of the Apollo um, camp, uh, by a young boy growing up in Houston during the um, Apollo missions. Um, I think okay. his dad might be involved in mission control and stuff like that, so it's, a, it's an interesting one. Um, other than that, still at the cinema, we've got um, Ambulance is still out, so I'm going to try and get to see that. Um, X is still out, which I'm annoyed I haven't seen yet. Yeah, and yeah, new out yeah. this week is Morbius. The, Morbius, the the new Spider-Man film, no one wants to see. Yeah. <laughs> you will find us. Yeah. Uh, you can find us at number three beers in the movie <laughs> on all the social media stuff you can think of, apart from TikTok. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Gmail, and we're on Twitter as well. So yeah, give us give us a wee look up and some thumbs up and likes and all the other people begging stuff, get you doing podcasts. Yeah, yeah, give us likes and subscribe tomorrow. So just fucking pays a visit and say hello. That's all. I've been calling. <laughs> I've been calling. You've been Richard. We've been. Three beers and a movie.